podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth there, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Bait, and it keeps it up. So welcome everybody to another episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. With you as always, who else would it be? Hope everybody's well. And thanks for the feedback we've had about the big fight deep dives that we've done over the last few weeks. We've enjoyed those and we've had lots of good suggestions from people for ones that we can do in the future. And we will definitely be doing more. Uh, We could do any of the suggestions that people have come up with really, but... We're going to shelve that for this week because this week we've got somebody on who, honestly, I've always been keen to have a a good in-depth chat with because his boxing story is just such an interesting one. And there's one one very specific question that I want to ask him, but I'm going to leave it right until the end because it's not even really boxing related. So I'll leave you, I'll leave you in suspense as to what that, what that might be. You won't be expecting it, but but it's nothing awkward. I'll just... uh, I'll just put, point that out. So I know everybody knows who our guest is because it you says me, so on the front. You've got me now. Wow, Macklin, you're just going to have to behave yourself. You're just going to have to behave yourself. And just, you're just going to have to remain calm, I'm afraid. You have to remain calm. Um, you know who our guest is because it says in the episode blurb who our guest is, but I like to give them a nice, a nice intro anyway. So this is somebody who has been a pro boxer for the best part of of two decades now. And as I said, he's had a really interesting career because it's been split into kind of three chapters, really. He started off in the UK, uh, turned pro in his in his early 20s. First 10 years were spent over here. Not exclusively. He did travel abroad to box, but mostly it was here. Uh, he won a British title at Super Lightweight, which is a terrific achievement. Won that against Lenny Dawes, defended against Jason Cook, against Ben Murphy. I was at that fight and then lost it to Darren Hamilton at Aintree in May 2012. And he hasn't boxed pro in the UK since. That's about to change very, very soon. So at that point in 2012, he decided that pastures knew were what was required for him and for his career. So he went off to the United States, particularly to Las Vegas. And I remember this well because he wrote a diary about this in Boxing News. He arrived at the Mayweather gym in Las Vegas and the idea was that he would get himself onto that Mayweather team. And if you remember this, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, then people were sceptical about this plan. Honestly, people didn't really think that this was something that could be done by a UK fighter. They really, really didn't. But he did it. And and that in itself was a remarkable achievement. Boxed for a world title against Adrian Broner. Boxed on some massive Mayweather nights. Some of those huge cards. Uh, that came to an end about three years ago. And since then, he's been globetrotting. He's been all over. He's boxed in Ghana, Poland, Mexico, Romania, Dubai. I'm interested to hear about all of those because there must be some stories there. But we find him now right back where it all started. He's in the he's in the weight room. He's in the gym at All Stars in, in West London, Labrook Grove. Uh, it's Ashley Theophane. Ashley, how are you? I'm doing great. That was... Yeah, I could just go now. You said everything. It was so, it was so great. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that sounded so good. A round of applause. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. I try. I try. But uh, it's um, it, it is 
it, it is an amazing career, really, um, when, when you consider what, what the sights and sounds and the, the kinds of experiences that it's, that it's taken in. But you are back. You're back on December the 11th, as I said, boxing in the UK for the first time as a pro since May 2012. It's going to be on terrestrial TV. And it's a big fight. It's a really good fight against Sam Eggington. Um, and now, Macklin, you may not know, Macklin is, is, is close to Team Eggington. He's close to Team Eggington. Okay. You know, well, you know, well you know, I'll be well, careful then. We've got a snake, well, 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 We've got a snake well, here. I was, Andy. I don't know who I am anymore after the Cheeseman fight. I think I've been booted out the door. Yeah, yes, possibly, possibly. So how did, how did that fight come about? Because... I'd imagine you've been, or maybe not, have you been looking for a fight in the UK for, for a while and, and nobody really fancied it or, 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 or not? So basically, when I left Mayweather Promotions, um, like two and a half years, years ago, I wanted to fight back home. That was kind of, because the sport was doing great over here. So I thought I want to fight back, back, back home. And I came back home and I couldn't really get a fight. So then I was like, it's kind of like I retire. Or I said, you know what? I'll do like a world tour. So then that's when I went around, around the world. I've done that. And then I was like, I've done everything now, but I want to fight back home once. So um, last year I finished the world tour and then I started to make moves to do my gym. And then um, Hearn offered me the Ben fight in um, June or July. And I thought, you know what? Another promoter is going to come because of this corona stuff, because they can't really fly in a lot of guys. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get in shape because I believe that I might get the farewell fight that I want. And then um, I think it was three weeks ago, like three weeks ago, I got like an, e- an email of Joe Pegg. And then he asked me if I, if I would fight, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, cool. And then um, we kind of made the deal. Like me and him, we kind of just made, made the deal online. And I'm saying, hence, now we're here. Well, it's a good fight. Uh, you know, we've seen Sam fight a lot over the last few years. He always brings good value. It, it was a good fight he had with, with Cheeseman in, in Fight Camper, uh, a close fight. And were you, were you surprised then when, when you got that email? Did you kind of not run out of, of, of hope that, that somebody might fancy it? Um... You know what? Uh, I didn't really, I really didn't care. You know, when you come to a point, because Matt would know all this, I come to a point in my um, career that I achieved everything I had set out to do, like Harvard and the belt. So I was like, I wanted just to start my gym now. So to fight again here was like the last thing that I was going to do. So if it came great, if it didn't come, I didn't really care. Cause like, I'm, I feel, I feel done. Like you you, I think you come to a stage in your career where one, I'm tired because I'm old, and two, I just don't want to do it like no more. So that's how I feel now. Like, I've had so many fights. I've been in the gym for so many years. Like I don't want to do it. So even there's sometimes like for this fight, that's why I know that Sam's saying he's gonna try to stop me, blah 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 blah. But for me, it's like. I, I'm training hard, but I don't know how I feel on the night. Like, on the night, I might be like, yeah, I want I even thought I wanted to do, like, uh, what was the fight with you, Matt? You and you and uh, the war, the all-time great war. Jamie oh, Moore. God. Yes, I thought that would be a great way to go out, win or lose, to go out, just guns all, like, just going all out war. 
So in my yeah. head, I don't well, know, you know what it is, how Ashley, I'm you, going to you, be like on that night. But actually, when you can't dig deep like that at this stage of your career because you don't care enough. You only you only can dig that deep. Exactly. So it, it, it sounds good, like, yeah, that would be a great way to go out, like, all guns. But as, as you said, I don't know on the night if I want to dig deep again. I don't know. So even when I spar with these young guys, some days I'm good and some days I'm not good. So for me, I'm just getting myself in the best shape I can be, but it's on the night. I could be in the best shape, but if your mind don't switch, switch on... Like, I don't know. So, so that's kind of like where I am now. Like I'm training the hardest I can do at this time in my life. But it's about on the night if I want to dig deep and if I want to go to war and to take, take that pain to get the win. So I don't know yet. Well, you see, I, f- I, find, that, I find that fascinating because um, Matt, Matt can tell the story himself, but, but with his final fight, he didn't really know it, but that's that's the situation he was in. And halfway through, he ended up sitting down on his stool thinking, fuck this, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just, no, like 100%. Thought, yeah, you know what it is, actually, you get to the point, I was in the fight, I thought, ah, what am I doing? I can't be asked anymore. I don't, you know, what am I fighting for, really? I, I was going into that fight to see, but I suppose for a while, you know, it's not there anymore, but, you know, yeah. Retirement's a big decision because it's all you've done all your yeah. life. You know, you've got a long life to yeah. go. So you want, I don't want to be retiring and coming back. So you want the closure. You have a performance, you're not mm. happy with You think, oh, I don't really want to go out on that note. And you think, well, have one more and yeah. win that. You know, yeah. this is why boxing doesn't let you go. It keeps you in. It's like, it's like yeah. that mirage in the desert that you think you can see, but it just keeps moving. And all of a sudden, you know, I was in that fight and thought, can't be asked that. And listen, you could find yourself in a similar situation because you're boxing Sam Eggington, who yeah. actually yeah. he's still got plenty, plenty left. of thinking, you know, it gets hard in there. Yeah. You might dig down, or you might just think, you know what, I'm done. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, so that's where I am now. I don't know how I feel in the fight. So he's saying he's gonna. I know he's going to come at me, and it's just how I respond on the night. So I don't know how I'm going to be. And I say that. Like to him, I just don't know. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. So I might fight, I might fight great. Like in my mind, I might fight great. Or I might just go to war with him and say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I just tell my guys I'm done. Like I'm, I'm over. So I, I really don't know how it's going to be like on the night. But I'm trained. So I've been sparring with a lot of these young guys, and they come in and they have a goal. So I'll be used to what he's going to do in the ring. But it's doing it on the night. It's doing it on the night. So. I just don't know what will be in it. So, um, yeah, we see how it goes. But I wanted to fight back home, like, one more time. Because, as you've said, I haven't been here for eight and a half years. And the sport's been doing so great. And I just wanted to fight here, like, just one more time. So this is why it's, like, my like my farewell fight here. Like, win or lose, like, I don't give a shit, I'm out. You're ticking that box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is for me. That's what it is for me. Well, that, I mean, that... As you said, that could go one or two ways, and it really, it really, really could. You, you could be, you could be inspired. You could, you could suck up the pain, thinking I've only got a few more rounds, and I'm literally never going to do this again. Or, or you could take a seat and think, you know what, I'm okay here. So we will, we will see, we will see. So we, we've kind of talked about, we've kind of talked about the end. But given where you are, which is currently, which is at all stars, let's go right back to the start because 
you're opening your own gym um, and a huge moment in any young fighter's life is when they walk through the doors of the gym for the first time and maybe when they meet that that person because everybody's got their person pretty much for the first time who really who really kind of inspired them so just tell us a bit about the beginnings I mean it's a, it's a long time ago now but what yeah, how did it all so begin Mr. So Mr. AK so Mr. AK of all stars who founded this gym like years years ago I remember the first time I came here I still like remember 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 it and um he just made me have he had so much life and he made me have fun. So I, I was a little kid. I was like eight, eight years old. I come into this gym. It was so much fun. And I was like, this is what I wanted to do. So as an eight-year-old kid, I just would come here. I would bring my friends. We would have fun in the ring. And um, yeah, this has just kind of been my life like since a child. And I've kind of loved this place because I feel like it's changed like so many lives. And hence, that's why I want to open up my own gym now to kind of continue the work that Mr. AK done for all those years. I would love to do what he did. So hence, that's why I'm like, you know what? And I think a lot of us pros, we go on for too long because we don't have no next goals. We don't know what next to do. So that's why for me, it's important for me to have my gym because from when I have my gym, that is the goal. I want to help these kids and to change these lives. And um, so, yeah, so hence, that's why I've already been putting in the works to have my own gym for the next stage of my life. But what was it about boxing in particular? That, that why, why boxing? Why did, you, why did you walk through the door in the very first place? Um, so when I was like four or five years old, my dad used to watch the sport. So my dad used to watch like, all of the big U.S. fights. And um, I, I don't know if I used to stay up or I used to get up at like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. And then I would run, run downstairs to watch, watch them like with, like with my dad. And um, I used to see like these guys just having wars and all of that. I was like, oh, my God, this looks cool. So I was a little kid just on my seat, just enjoying, enjoying the fights. And then um, I asked my mom if I, if I could do it. My mum for two years said, no, you can't do it. She didn't want her five-year-old son getting hit in the head. And then um, like, I think like two or three years they went by and I still kept asking. And then that's when we came to the All-Stars. And then my mum told my dad to bring him to the gym, but make sure he don't enjoy it. But I had so much fun. I was back. And then this is why this place has been my home since. I've never actually asked you, Matt. I know, I know when you started and 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 all the rest of it. But but what was the reaction from your from your family when you started boxing? Because I know Seamus followed you to the gym, but I don't think there was any boxing in the family. Was there really? Not not really. I mean, no one really knows this. But I think it, my dad's second uh, was the first cousin or second cousin. It's a guy called Jimmy Moran, Jimmy Moran, who actually won the senior ABAs. He, I think he beat every okay. day in the final. Um, okay. I think you want to come with gold or silver as well, but no, that was the only, that's the only connection. I mean, actually, but Paul Pender, who beat uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, who had three fights with Terry oh, Down, wow. he's from his mom is from the same village in Ireland as my dad. But anyway, there's a bit of a connection. But no, there was nothing to do with that. Why a box? I just um, I was just someone that played all sports, football, rugby, Gaelic football, all that sort of stuff, and uh, I just 
my dad was a casual boxing fan. It wasn't like hardcore, but all the big fights, mm. the Tyson fights, the mm. Ben Eubanks, that kind of thing. He'd be watching yeah. them and I would stay up and watch them with him. Um, and then the Rocky, I've seen the Rocky films around this time as well. And I, I just wanted, to, yeah, I just, I just wanted to, uh, it's the ultimate thing, isn't it? Man to man combat, you know, in sport, in competition. You know, I was in football, I was competitive, I get stuck in, I was that kid centre mid, Roy yeah. Keane type. So but boxing yeah, was yeah. like, you know, the ultimate. Hey, everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called The Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital podcast coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go. So how were you with the kind of nerves when you first started competing? Because we, we've heard some hilarious stories from from people um, about, from, from some really big names too, about how things were difficult early on. There's, there's a lot of top fighters who had miserable starts to their amateur careers who would just be eaten alive by nerves, who would go to lengths like hiding their kit so they didn't have to fight, things like that, seriously considering jumping out of windows because they didn't want to fight. I mean, how how were you with that side of it? <laughs> Um, like for me, I always, I always remember my very first amateur fight. Um, the referee, I think for like a whole round, me and this guy did not hit each other, but we were just staring at each other and just like fake, fake, but we would not hit. And I always remember that the referee stopped us a few times and said, you have to hit each other. You have to hit. So nerves is a big, I I think it don't matter how many fights that you have, you Always have nerves, but I guess the more fights you learn to control your nerves or to use your nerves in a certain way. But at the very start, yeah, like the nerves were bad. Like, yeah. So hence my first fight, we kind of, I'm shocked, shocked I won my fight because I must have threw like one more shot than he threw because we both kind of didn't hit each other. So, um, yeah, my first fight was not the best. Let me do that. My first fight was not the best, but, you know, I guess I won. But nerves is always um, a big, big thing. And it, it's, it's kind of like a fight within itself because sometimes you're nervous at what might be. So um, I, I guess throughout the years, you have to learn to work with your nerves or what you're going, going to do. Because I've, I've got some friends who um, have loads of, who have loads of their team in like in like the back and they talk a lot and it's loud in there. Me, I just like to um be quiet. So I'll just chill at the back. It's like there's it's just peace. I just like peace, don't talk to me. We just relax. That's how I like to be. But um so I know some guys they like a lot of noise in their room. They don't like to be alone. So was was turning professional something that was always in your head? Was was that something when you got to say like seventeen, eighteen, say, was that always something you were thinking about? Um, yeah. So when I was seventeen years old, I wanted to turn pro 
And I remember that Mr. A was like, like once he said that you're not mentally right because you're saying there's a lot that goes on in the sport and you're not mentally strong enough. And um, I, like I remember when I was 22 years old, I asked him again and then he, he agreed that the time was right now. So from when I was a kid, I really never liked the amateurs because I used to watch the professional fights. I always wanted to turn professional. That was always my goal. So when I could, like I did, and um, I always wanted to fight in America because that was the fights that I used to watch as a little kid, the American fights. And the Brits who I used to like were like Ben, like the Bens who used to go over to America and to fight, to fight the Yanks. So that was always kind of my aim to go over to like America to, um, you know, to fight. I didn't really care if I won. I just wanted to fight there to like to try to fight the best. Best. I didn't really care if I won or lost. I just wanted to fight the best there. Well, let's let's get to that because I mean that it is just such an interesting period of your career. Like I said, when you when you turned pro, it was mainly here, but not. Not always. You were you were already starting to try and make that happen. You had a couple of fights in two thousand and eight. Um, Aliu Bali was one. Demarcus Corley, big name, was another. A fifteen and no Danny Garcia uh, in two thousand and ten. Uh, you, you won the British title in two thousand and eleven, uh, and made those couple of defences, and, and and then came a defeat. And I'm not kind of like skirting over that because that's a hell of a thing to do win a British title. Um, I, I think winning an area title is a hell of a thing to do. But when you went to the USA, I just remember this so clearly, that kind of diary you did in, in, in Boxing News about first day turned up. I mean, it was Matt, Matt spent a lot of time in American gyms as well, you see, so he knows what they're like. I've been to a couple, but you need to be around it to really, to really understand the, the vibe of it. I mean, how did it get into your head in the first place that that was something that you could do? go to Vegas and do what you did? Um, I, think, I think I was nine and one at the time. It was 2005. So I kind of thought now was the time to go. So I was 24 years old when I first went to the USA. I went to Gleason's gym um, in 2005. And um, when I, I wanted to go there to see like how good I was. And then when I walked in the gym, it was just loud. And it was like a scary place. It was weird. Like when you come here, where the gyms, they're friendly. Like a lot of the USA gyms, they're not friendly. They're kind of scary if you're not from there. And then I walk, walked in the gym. It was very loud. And then um, I just told them that I was there for a month and I just wanted to train and, you know, to like to train with a coach. So I walk, walked around the gym and I would watch the coaches, like what they were um, doing. And then I joined up with Lennox Blackmore. Um, Lennox Blackmore... He fought Aaron Pryor in the 80s. And then he was from the Caribbean as well. So that was kind of why I went to him because my family's from like the Caribbean. So I kind of had that link, link with him. And he trained a lot of the world champs. He trained um Wayne Brave, Brave um Elio Rojas, and um there was some ne- next one. So um it was scary. Like when I first went, it was scary. But the weird thing was. When I trained there and I sparred there, they kind of believed in me. And they said, oh, that you could go on to be a world champion. And then coming from where I'm over here, I'm nine and one. I'm on the small hall where no one don't know me. And then I go to America 
and I'm, I'm, I'm sparring with all these name guys and the coaches, they're saying that I'm good enough to be a world cha- champion. I'm like, wow. So that was kind of any little catch that I say here, that I started to go over there because you're always going to, I think you're always thrive in a place that kind of believes in you and they kind of believe in you more than you believe in you. And um, so Gleason's gym, I was there for seven years, I think. And that was um, from 2005 to 2012. That's when I trained there. And that was the place where, um, yeah, they just, it was just a great place where they kind of just all wanted you to do um, better. And I think that kind of helped me where I was from here and no one didn't really care about me. And then I would go over there and everyone was like, oh yeah, that you're so good. So yeah, that's just kind of how it kind of went. I mean, that's, 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 that's really interesting. I mean, Matt, you've, you've spent a lot of time in American gyms. I mean, do they look for different things? Is it a different kind of approach, a different kind of style over there? Does that, is that, does that surprise you that, that they saw something that the UK coaches didn't see, that there was that kind of difference in the perception of, of Ashley's ability level? No, no, not really. I mean, it, I mean, he's spot on when he says the gyms aren't as friendly. You know, you, it, you, look, when you come to a gym in England, usually it's Joe Gallagher's gym or it's what, someone's gym. You know, in America, there's like Gleason's or the wild card. All right, the wild card's basically Freddie Roach, but there'll be definitely several other trainers working out there, just like I imagine in Mayweather's gym. There'll be, there'll be five or six trainers working with different fighters there. And it's, you know, you're coming in and you're, you're a strange face. It's not as welcoming, you know, and like the sparring is harder. There's no prisoners taken. Like I say, you're going into a gym, no one knows anyone. Loads of people around watching. When you're sparring, it's a fight with 16-ounce gloves on, do you know what I mean? And you're a new guy, no one knows who you are. You've got to earn your stripes, earn your respect. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's, that's the way it is, you know. And, and but, but if you do... It changes. Then when you go back the next day, people do, you know, are saying hello to you and how you doing and they're watching you sparring and taking interest in you. And I suppose that, I, I think in America, there's more people openly dreaming. But if, if we're not dreaming, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If we're not here chasing dreams, what the yeah. fuck are we doing? Because this is too hard not to. But I just think, I'm not saying people aren't doing that in the UK, but it's just a lot more open on the table in America, like they're saying, you know, yeah, you could be world champion. You might, they're not thinking, well, who, what promoter are you with? What amateur pedigree? They might have seen, so I spied with a guy. I had not, was my, I went out to the wild card. I was 19. Frank Warren flew me out there. I just signed with him. And I was sparring with a guy over there called Roman Karmazan, who Frank Warren had an interest in. Frank Maloney was over there at the same time with me. Oh, yeah. I was only 19. Yeah, well, it was Frank then. But I was 19. I hadn't made my pro debut and uh, I sparred with Roman Karmazan. No, he half peppered me, to be honest. I was shot for a round or two, but after that, he, he pinged me. But yeah. I remember digging in and giving, having a good go. And I remember stepping yeah. out of the ring yeah. after that. And one of the guys saying to me, fucking hell, man, you got heart, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think you could be, you know, same thing. I think you could be world champion. And I'm thinking, I just got battered in there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it, Ian, he's obviously looking beyond that. He's seeing what's inside yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. Ian looking at yeah. what skills I've got, what technique I've got. He's yeah, yeah. looking at what internal yeah. fortitude I've got. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. and I think, you know, I'm not saying it's, that no one here does that, but I think it's it's more 
it's probably done more over there than, than you know what I mean? Because it's such a big place. There's so many different, you know, so many people have hit the top with stories that you wouldn't believe, only you know it happened. Do you know what I mean? So I think I think they I think they believe in dreams a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's true. I think it's a country that generally embraces overt ambition more than we do here. We're we're a little bit. We've got a bit of a hang up about it here. I think. I mean, people who who talk themselves up a lot, we we generally don't seem to like it particularly. Whereas in the USA, it's it's par for the course. You expect every fighter, every young fighter you speak to in America. What I expect them to tell me is that I'm going to be the next best thing. I'm going to be five, six weight world champion. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And um, and so nobody gets kind of upset about it when people do that. So you, you've got all of that under your belt. And I guess that was what gave you the confidence to think, okay, I can now go to the gym, as you probably saw it, because it was it was under the name of who, who was very much the man at the time, Floyd Mayweather. So just tell us about that, you know, first day how, how did you I mean how do you even go about something like that were you just thinking I'm just going to doorstep them um cold or do you make kind of preparations for it the weird the weird thing was um I went there for two weeks when I was British champion I was in New York for eight weeks and I thought I wanted a change so um I went out I saw that Floyd was in camp because he was going to fight Cotto so I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a plane over there and see if I can get in the gym and just see him train and then train myself. And um, so I went over there and it, I always remember this. I got there and I was like, oh shit, I don't know where the gym, gym is. So then I had to go online to find out where like the gym was and there was two places where it said it was. So I just took a guess and I went to one of the gyms. It was the gym. And then I didn't know if I was allowed to train this. So I walk in the gym and then they asked me, like, who am I and stuff. I just said, oh, I'm the British champion. I've just come here to train for two weeks. So they said, I right, cool. So then they called over Raja. So Raja came and then he asked me again. He's staring at me, like, who are you? And Raja, I would say, I don't want to say he was very rude, but he was someone who didn't kind of bullshit. So he was like, who are you? I just said who I was, and then he talked taught me on the pads, and then he was like, "Oh, you can fight a little bit." And I said, "Yeah, I'm the British champion." And then um, so then Bowser was there. Bowser Redwoods he used to fight over here. So Bowser Redwoods was uh, like was there, so he knew I was British. He knew he had seen some of the Americans that I had fought, and then um, Bowser said that I that I could stay to watch Floyd train. So then um. I stayed to watch Floyd train, and then the very first day, it's weird. I was walking out of the gym, and then Floyd had done. And then Floyd stops me and says, who are you? Because I guess at that time, no one was allowed to be there when he was in the gym. So then he knew I wasn't normally there. So he asked me, like, who are you? And then I goes, oh, I'm the British champion. I'm Ash, Ash, I'm Ash, if you're fain. So he stares me up and down, and he says, oh, we might have to spar. And I was like, oh. I was like, great, like, I'm here for two two weeks. So I was like a big fan then. So then um we didn't spar, but um I just kept coming back to see him train and stuff. And then, but they made me feel at home there. So then I left, I left there, I go back to New York, I train, I lose my British title, which is weird. I had such a great camp, and then you go lose the British. So then I lost the British title, 
And then um, I was like, I couldn't get no fights here again. So I was like, oh, like, what am I going to do next? So I was like, it's either go, I had to go to Floyd's gym. So a whole year had gone by and I said, you know what? I'm going to try to get onto TMT because if I can't, I basically got to retire because there's nowhere else like for me, I'm to go. So now I fly back there and then the very first day, he's like, oh, you come, come, come back. So I was like, oh shit. He remembers me after a whole year. And then since then I stayed, I went there for a month. The month was going well. Like I would go out for runs with him. Like he, like he would watch, watch, watch me spar. He said he had heard about my fights that I had been robbed and stuff. And he said, I would like to help you. So then I stayed there to the end of his camp when he was going to fight Guerrero. And then um, when he, he fought and he won, he called me over and he says, oh, like, this is my guy from the UK, blah, 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 blah. We just, just signed him. So he hasn't signed me yet, but it was nice of him to say that. So, um, so hence, yeah, so it was kind of weird. You know, like Floyd Mayweather, he signed me and he, he kind of, it's weird. He didn't get anything outside of me, but he kind of knew my back background of being on my own for 10 years. I had beaten the world number three in the USA. I had um, fought a lot of like top Americans and some I had won, some I had lost. And he kind of just wanted to help my career. So um, yeah, so then that was kind of great. And he kind of believed in me. He believed in me where he thought I could be world champion and stuff. So it was nice. Like, you know what I mean? For the guy, you know, who's such a star to want to help me who's not a star. Like, you know, it was great. So did did him signing you mean that you could live there then? Just as a purely kind of like logistical point. How did how did that, that work? Did that... That... Um well they had to I had to sign like a deal with them for three years and then I got the work per per permit then. So that's how it works. So then I got the work permit then. I was signed to them for three years. And then the deal ran out just after I fought for the world. And then I signed another three like three year deal. And then that's kind of how it was. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. So are the stories about how phenomenally hard he trains, are they is it all is it all true? I remember talking to Jim McDonald about this, and he said that because he knew he knew Bozer as well, um, and so him and James James DeGale were allowed to stay and watch Mayweather train. And he said that when James got back from that trip, he was like a different person. He was like he realised, okay, I thought I trained hard, and Jim really does work his lads hard. I thought I trained hard, but Jim's not been bullshitting me. This is this is like what he says I need to do. This is what I need to do because this is what he does. You know, you know what? It, I think so. I was there for five years, and I think you can't be around Floyd all the time. See how hard he trains, and it not inspire you to train hard because this is a man who's at the top of the game, and he could he's getting like whatever mill uh, is. He could start start to relax a bit because he's the man, but. He wouldn't. He would still train so hard. So, so for me, it kind of was always inspiring to see a man 
that who's at at the top and still trying to push like so hard. So, you know, I, I try to take little tips of what he does and this and that. So, um, yeah, he does train very hard and stuff. So I think you can't be around that that kind of place and don't step your own game up. You know what I mean? If you don't go to the gym and see him train and say, wow, like I got a thing, like you are, yeah, you shouldn't be in this, this uh, sport. Uh, and Matt, it doesn't, you know, it should hardly come as a surprise, should it really, that someone who stayed at that level for that long has got that level of dedication. And I know, you know, that was always the mantra, hard work, dedication. But the kind of mystery around Mayweather, if you like, was the fact that very, very few people ever did see him train. He would never release any sparring. And, and 24-7s at all access, it was just him eating hamburgers and, and looking at his cars and sitting around a pool with astonishing women. It was never him training, was it, ever? Yeah. Well, I think those, those videos were done, you, you know, 24-7s and, and maybe in later years when he had his own gym and was calling the shots. But I know back in his early days when he first turned pro, Robert McCracken done a couple of fights where he was based out in Las Vegas, training with Fel Torrance. And so Floyd was only 21, 22. He was only one who was first world champion at super featherweight. And I was obviously still an amateur in 2000. But I was, I was around Robert McCracken. You know, he was from Birmingham. I looked up to him. And when he was training for his last couple of fights, I trained with him for bits. And I remember him saying, we're talking about training and different things. And he said, oh, no, he said that the hardest trainer I've ever seen by a mile is Floyd Mayweather Jr. So, you know. That's that's not just a myth that's been said later on. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Always been doing it for years. that hard. Always. Yeah. yeah. So I mean for you then, Matt, who of the of the people you saw, because I mean you you as you said, you did West Coast and East Coast um in terms of American gyms. I mean, who was there anyone that really stood out for you who you looked at and you just thought, right, okay, if I'm if I really want to get somewhere here, I've got to be a bit more like that. I mean, do you know what? I think all the top fighters train up hard. I mean, you know, there's there's no secret recipe. You know what I mean? There's, it, it is what it is. You can't reinvent the wheel. You have to go and you have to bust your ass every day because everyone else is. Um, yeah. Listen, Ricky Hatton trained hard. Let me tell you, I know Ricky Hatton burnt the candle at both ends and he, he, he had big blowouts. But when he was yeah. in the gym, he oh, trained man. as hard as anyone. You know, Manny Pacquiao back in 2010 yeah. when he was at the peak of his career. Yeah. You know, insane trainer. All, all the all all the top fighters, um, anyone at the top, they're, they're training hard. Very few. Yeah. You know, you get the odd lazy one who does the bare minimum, and I could name a few of those, but I won't. But um, no, in terms of training hard in the gym, listen, Ricky Hatton trained very hard. Manny Pacquiao trained hard. These are guys that I was around uh, in the gym at the same time. Um, in terms of probably living the life the most, I would say Anthony Crawler because Anthony Crawler was never not fit. I'd say I'd say on a on Andy Crawler's hardest ever session, I would say I trained as hard. I did it for 10 weeks and then nothing then 10 weeks where, you know, in terms of living the life all year round, I think Andy Crawler was probably the person that I know lived the life yeah. the best. But in terms of training hard, there was so many. But it, actually it with reference to that phrase, living the life, I mean, it, it kind of always looked from the outside looking in that, that one thing that was a minimum requirement of you, if you were going to be on that team, was that you did live the life 24-7. Uh, I'd imagine that it was quite hard to get on that team, but quite easy to get kicked off it if you didn't meet the required standards. 
Yeah, when I when I signed for Floyd, like it was weird because I lost my first fight like with them. So it was like you get your big break, and I was like, oh shit, like I'm, I like I lost my first fight with them. But Floyd was actually cool. He said, don't worry, like you'll get some wins and we'll get you the world fight. So so um Floyd was cool with me from the very start. I lost the first fight, then I think I won like six, six straight, and then that's when I fought A B. So um Sometimes we had team meet meetings. If if they if there was a few of it was more the young guys that they would Floyd didn't care if you went to the clubs, but when you were training him for a fight, he didn't want you in the clubs. And then when he would find out that they were in the clubs, he like he would get the team round. We might go out for a meal, then he might speak to everyone to um that. So um. Yeah, I think the older guys who had been there, like the Ishe Smiths and that, he already, he lived, lived the life. But I think some of the young guys, they saw like what Floyd was doing and they wanted to act how Floyd is acting now instead of, you know, like putting in the work. So um, like Floyd, Floyd was cool, but they just expected you to, um, yeah, to just when, like when camp started, you don't go out to the clubs. But some of, you know, the young guys at the time, you know, they found that a bit hard. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all found that hard at times. I've never been a professional athlete, so it never really mattered to me. I think it's probably fair to say Macklin found it quite hard at various intervals <laughs> to stay away from to stay away from certain establishments. Um, what's it like living in Las Vegas? Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. You know what? I had um, a great time. I made some great friends, some friends for life. Um, I actually enjoy, enjoyed it. Sometimes I regret coming back because I didn't have to come back. So then I'm like, Sometimes I'm like, why did I come back? I could couldn't stay stay there. So for me, I liked it. I liked the lifestyle there, and I just liked how relaxed it was. It was you see the strip, but the strip is just one street in the place, Nevada. So um, off the strip is very chill and relaxed. So um, I kind of liked it there because it was just kind of like it was nice and hot or warm. And um, yeah, the lifestyle was for me. I did enjoy it there. I did enjoy it. And I found the folks there very nice as well. So um, I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was a ni- nice time. It was a nice five years of my my life. It's too hot though in the summer, isn't it? July, August and that's too hot. No, no, I was dying. So so that's, see, that's the only time July to August. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's murder. Like, it's like, you have to run to the car and 
yeah, it is it's it's bad. That, that's the only time the heat is so it's just so it's so like bad. That's the only thing. I mean, you're, you're literally weird. burning outside. <laughs> literally yeah. burning. It's like it's like you, you can't go- breathe. Cause I used to go. I used to go for my runs in the AM, so I'd get up at like five or six and I'd go for a run. But a lot of the guys, they used to run at like 12 at night because they said that's when they preferred it because it was chill. But um, yeah, I like to get up at five or six and then I would do my run, my runs then because that's when, for me, it was kind of not as hot. So yeah, so it was. But one thing, it was great to lose weight. So like if I, I used to lose around two stones a fight. So you could lose that just by just training there because the weight would just fly off you. Yeah, the, the only thing, though, as well, when it's that hot outside and you come inside, everywhere's so air-conned, you're yeah, freezing. No, <laughs> it's weird, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. But, <laughs> hey, that's why it's weird. So where I stayed, they always used, they always used like, when friends, they used to come around to see me, they always used to moan, because I had the aircon on so low, because I used to hate aircon, because we don't really have it here. So when they would come to my place, they'd be like, actually, it's so hot here. I'd be like, it's how I live, man. Like, it was weird. It was weird. But yeah, like, when I would go to see friends, they just have it on. It's just cold inside. Yeah, it's weird. I just, just never got used to that. So, I mean, you 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 mentioned you, you booked for the world title against Broda. There were there were some huge nights you were a part of. Um, the the Canelo uh, fight, Mayweather against Canelo, Maidana, Berto as well, which was which was his his final one. I still class that as the final one. Um, McGregor goes on the record, but it wasn't boxing. Well, it was from one person, um, and he got to fifty and zero, and I'll allow it. That's fine. But um, what, what did you make of Broner? Because you were talking about Mayweather there, and and Broner was kind of in his own head. Maybe, maybe it was only ever in his own head. He was going to be the next Mayweather, and there's no doubt that he did have loads of ability. But maybe what he didn't have was the the application that that, that Floyd had. I mean, what what did you? <laughs> I, I find him, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. Words fail me with him a lot of the time, but I do generally find him quite entertaining, Broder. What did what did you think of him as a, as a as a person, really, when you came up against him? All right. So other than our press conferences and the build-up to our fight, when I had met him or when I have, he's always been cool with me. He's always been a nice, nice yes, guy. So it's only, I knew when I was going in to fight him that he was going to come with the trash talk and all of this stuff there. And um, it kind of amused, amused me. So I, I kind of didn't mind it. But other than our, our pre-fight stuff, he's always been nice with me. Even after our fights, I've met him like a few times and he's always just cool with me. So I know he's a bit out, he's a bit loud, whatever it is, but how he's treating me like man on man, he's always been like a nice guy. Like I'm, I find it kind of weird with me and Americans, even if they're loud, I kind of get on with them because I'm English and I'm just kind of chill. So I'm not loud like them. I'm just kind of relaxed and just laid back. And they're always just kind of cool with me. So even if they are loud, like it's weird, it's weird way it is because I'm just very like laid back but I think it might be the British in me or whatever it is we're just more kind of chilled so even though I was out there and they were very loud I was just very just or I would just be there and you wouldn't know I was there like so if I see them they're just cool with me because I'm not like them and I'm not loud so 
with AB, he's always, other than our fight, he's always been friendly towards me. Matt, it's something that always that has always interested me, this, the extent to which you have fighters or athletes generally who maybe it's just they flip a switch when they get closer to the date, when they get towards fight week, and they genuinely kind of do become somebody else. Deontay Wilder definitely has a bit of that when he gets towards fight night. But every now and again, you get someone who really does seem to be two different people. There's one for the cameras and there's, and there's one for, for everybody else. I mean, that seems to me to be a fairly exhausting way of, of carrying on. But, um, I mean, did you ever come across many of them? The, the alter ego? Um, not really. I mean, I, I'm very lucky, I've got to say, in the, in the sense that the guys I lost to, you know, Golovkin, Martinez, Jamie, they're all gentlemen, really. Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. nice people. You know, I think if I, if I fought someone like... Adrian Broner, I, I think I find him hard to get on with you. But maybe I would. Maybe you fight him and afterwards you see a different person. But, I, it, you know, Floyd Mayweather, obviously everyone knows how good Floyd Mayweather is. But even, you know, actually talking there about the story, telling him when he met Floyd and he was talking to him. And then he, you know, said, come back. And he told the guy that he signed him up and he lost his fight. He's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. And he put him on all those big nights on the undercards and stuff. Like, Floyd Mayweather ain't looking to make money off Ashley Theopold. You know what I mean? He weren't looking to make no money. But he probably just thought, you know what? You've come from England. You've gone to New York. You've come yeah. in. You've sparred. I- I'm guessing he's really respected that. I thought, yeah, fair yeah. play to you. I'll give you yeah. a hand. I'll, I'll, you know what I mean? If, I'm gonna, if I can yeah. help you out. And he can because of who he is yeah. in the position he's in. And, yeah. and he has done that. But there's lots of guys in lots of positions in boxing, in life, I suppose, that don't help people. So... I'm not saying that, oh he's, oh, he's the only person that's helped someone, but I'm just saying there's yeah. a lot of people in that position that they're too selfish and they don't care where, in fairness yeah. to Floyd there, he's, he's helped him, do you know what I mean? He gave you a leg up, didn't he? Yeah, 100, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you know, but like Adrian Broner, I don't know Adrian Broner personally, but I, so I can only talk about the alter ego that I watch on the TV and see around the shows and... He ain't really my cup of tea, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's an arsehole. He's an arsehole. He's trying to be nice. But it's, well, it's all, it's, it's one of the many things that makes boxing such a kind of rich tapestry. Um, and you did say that you kind of wish that maybe you'd, you'd stayed. And for me, when somebody says something like that, more I tend to look at that as a sign that you probably left at the right time. Because overstaying a welcome, things can just the edge can go slightly. Um, but what do you think? What do you make of that? Maybe you got it right. Um, see, the thing is, no, I left at the right time for say my for my career, but to live out there, I didn't have the box to be out there. So, so I know you're saying what well, you're saying is true with Mayweather promotions. I think I had like a year left of my deal. I think I have like two fights in two years. So I was like, I'm getting old. I'm not having fights. I might as well be on my own and I could get, I could get my own fights. So that's why I left there. So I didn't live because of, I didn't leave because of the lifestyle. I left because I wasn't getting no fights and I wanted to fight before I retired. And um, so hence now when Floyd comes here, I can still go see him and we're, we still have that relationship. Um, 
But I did, I would say, I do think I did leave at the right time because I got, I enjoyed my world tour, even though my world tour wasn't no meaningful fights. I kind of, it was kind of nice just to go around the world, just seeing all different kinds of fans and just doing a sport that I love because our sport is very stressful. So it was kind of a nice way to just go around the world and just kind of have uh, fun and fight, which I like to fight. So, um, so yeah, and then I've come back now. I'm finished. I'm like, I want to open my gym, but I would love to fight back home like one more time. And that's where we are here now. So um, everything is kind of worked out the way it's supposed to be, I guess. What would you have done, Ashley, if you had a stayed in Las Vegas and you retired? Would you? What would you have done over there for work or... Or was the plan always? I to think come home? the same kind of thing. Um, I think I would have got my own gym there. The same thing that I'm trying to do now to have my own gym. I think I would have opened up my own gym over there. So, because I'm not being rude to us, like I, I don't know. Like a lot of us, we either go into we might if we know how to talk, we might go on to Sky or to BET Sport. Or a lot of us, we just become like PTs and stuff because it's easy for us to do. So um, for me, I don't really want to be a PT. So I would rather like own my own gym. So that's kind of the way that I can kind of keep with the sport and kind of give back as well because I can have kids there. So I'm trying to help out the kids. So um, I think the gym thing is the next step for me to kind of stay in the sport but not being in the sport. So, so the world tour, I, I remember when you kind of started on this, I remember just thinking, this is very interesting, this, because he's clearly not doing this for any other reason than because he wants to. Um, there's not going to be any money in these fights. He obviously, he's, obviously, he's obviously not doing it for that reason. So at that point, are you, are you solely a one-man band there? You haven't got a promoter. You haven't got a manager. You're just thinking, I've been doing this long enough. I can look after myself. I mean, how do you go about getting these fights? Well, I mean, what, what do you, how do you do it? So, you know, what was so, so basically before, all right. So at, at the start of my um, career, I had around four fights in Berlin. I think I had like four fights in Ber like Berlin. So, when I was trying to get a break, I used to write to all the promoters, like all of the promoters, like around the world. So I had made some links within that stage there. So when I wanted to do like my world tour, I had friends who had fought abroad and stuff. So then I spoke, I spoke to them and, and whatever it was. And I kind of would go through friends who had fought in spots to speak to that promoter to see if I could fight on their show and stuff. And I'm um, so some of the so some of the shows I got paid, and some of the shows I didn't get paid. They were just flying me out. So yeah, it was kind of it wasn't really a cash thing. It was just I wanted to get to 50, 50 wins, and I wanted to do a world tour, so I had to fight all over the spot. And um yeah, like and it was weird. So when promoters started to see that I was doing it a lot of them started to reach out to me. So they sometimes there came times when I had to choose out of three different spots that I could fight in because they were in like the same month or whatever it was. So the more that I started to fight abroad and it got out there that I was doing a world tour, 
more and more promoters started to email me to see if I wanted to fight on their show, how much it would cost, what do I want, blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, like, the more I did it, the easier it got because they started to come to me. I didn't have to go to them. So what was what was your favourite one out of those then? I'll, I'll just read them off. Germany, Hungary, um, Ghana, Poland, Mexico, Dubai, Romania, Denmark. I mean, the ones that stick out for me really would be Ghana, Mexico, and probably uh, uh, probably Romania because I just don't. I just wasn't really aware that there was much of a boxing scene in Romania. To be honest, I don't know many people who boxed there, so there must be. I mean. <laughs> There must be some stories. Romania show was actually a big show. Like, it was weird. Like, I guess the guy who was, like, the promoter, he fought on the show as well. And um, that was actually on the TV over there. Like, it was actually a big show. So it was kind of weird. Like, they flew they flew a guy from, like, Colombia to fight the guy. And it was a big, it was a big show for their kind of thing over there. So um, the Romania one was cool. Um, Dubai was good. Because um, Dubai was a very good show. That was a nice show. That was at the Palm 5, um, Jumeirah, wherever. It was. That was a very nice place. Um, and Ghana, I enjoyed the Ghana trip as well. So Ghana and I'll say Dubai were my favorite two out of the out of the world tour. You know, so um, it was fun. Matt, Matt, I love that. I love that. Because first, first of all, groundwork that had been done literally decades before getting in touch with all these promoters kind of started it. But, but also I don't really know anyone else who's done this. I mean, we know fighters who have, who have boxed longer than maybe we expected them to, and, and they weren't doing it for the money they were doing just, just because they loved it. But, but to go to all these kinds of destinations, it's, I mean, it's pretty unusual. Yeah. Well, look, what, what's one of the best things in the world that people do is they've got a few quid and they've got a bit of time or even the take yeah. a year out after uni, to, to travel. Mm. People like to travel. It's one of the broaden your horizons. You know, it's back yeah. to that saying, don't tell me what you know, tell me where you've been. You know what yeah. I mean? You've got to you travel around the world. So if you could work your way around as well, whatever that may be, in Ashley's case, yeah. boxing. He's ticking yeah. a lot of boxes. And it's not like you're going yeah. somewhere on holiday, sitting on the beach. You know, you're getting into the real spit and sawdust, the real nitty gritty of things. You know, mm. it's your work. That's what you do. And, you're, you're seeing yeah. how they do it over there, and you see the little yeah. tricks they pull there, and the bit of school. Yeah. And you meet characters. You meet characters. That's you know that's mm. part of the journey, mm. isn't it? So, um, who who's been your who was your trainer during that spell? Um, so basically, I worked with um two of the All Stars guys, um Dave Brown and Steve Palmer. So um, with Dave, I had worked with Dave going back to two thousand and nine. So Dave, when I um, so when I was over here, like 2009, so Dave had been with me um, before I went, I fought the world number three. Dave was even with me, like when I fought for the world belt, like I flew over Dave and he came came over to um, the gym. So Dave had been with me since 2009 to like my Mayweather days and I flew him over there for three of the fights to be part of the camps there. So, um, so yeah, so it's again, I started at All-Stars and I, I've always kind of had a link link here, which is um is nice to say that, you know, I kept that link my whole life. So we won't keep you too much longer. What um so tell us about the state of play with the gym then, with, with your own gym. What's 
what where where are we at with so that? basically um I've, i found a spot like i found two spots like for my gym and um it's just kind of waiting for this corona stuff but i don't want to get the gym and then you're just paying rent and you can't really be in be in there so i'm kind of waiting till we are open and we can do stuff so um i just hate to get the gym and then i'm paying rent for a year or two and we got to close so um i'm just kind of waiting for this to blow over then I can, you know, like get, like get this gym. So that is like really the main aim now. That's the main thing that I care about now is to have my gym to help these kids out and um to start my own kind of thing. What all stars have done, I just kind of want to do it with my own gym. So, so that's kind of the work that I want to do until I kind of die, I guess. So, Wesley, I know you say, I know you say this is your farewell fight, but what if you win? I can guarantee you now, if you win, there's going to be offers, there's going to be, you know, you ain't going to retire. All right. So, so before this fight, I was due to fight back in Ghana. So I was going to fight there at the end of the year. So I was in the gym as it, it goes. But Matt, being real, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. Like, even like I'm training hard and it's, it's hard. I don't like to lose weight because I like to eat sweets. Like, yeah, and it's just hard. I sparred with a young guy today. I've done very good, but it's just hard. Like, getting up. i got to get up at, like, before 6, 6 a.m. tomorrow to go to the track. Then i got to train, like, three times a day. I don't want to be doing this. So this is, like, it's cool. If they was to offer me a lot of cash, like, maybe. But I don't want to. Like, my heart is not in it. Like, my heart is not in it. So this is why, for me... I just want to do this like one time to do it. And this is going to be a hard, hard fight. I might win it. I might win it. I might win it. But I know it's going to be a hard fight. And I, I'm 40 years old. I don't be fighting at 40 years old. I told myself that I would retire at this age. So I've done everything that I could ever do. Like, it's all good to continue to make some extra cash for retirement. But we're taking extra blows to our head here and that. Like, yeah, I don't want to be like, it It really ends well, like, for us, Matt. A lot of times the sport retires us. We don't retire from the sport. We get beat up so bad, we can't fight, like, no more. So um, for me, I'd rather go out on a win or a loss. It don't really matter, but I'd like to fight back home, like, one more time and then make some extra cash, like, for my gym. So, yeah, I... I I, I saw another guy say, ah, oh, like, you might win, but what am I going to fight? Just a bunch of these young guys. <laughs> like, I've been fighting these young guys. I don't want to fight them. Like, it's hard work. Like, so, yeah, like, for me, in my mind, like, this is, like, I just want to fight back home. It's like a farewell and a homecoming fight at the same time for me. So, yeah, that's what it is in my mind. You, ne you never know, Matt. I might look so good on the night. I'm like, oh shit, I still got it. <laughs> so, but yeah, but yeah, you never know. But yeah, I don't want to go on, man. I'm tired. I'm tired. I feel tired. Well, yeah, you, you, you can you can never rule it out. If like you say, if you, if you win and you look good, then then it's going to take some willpower to to drag you away. If you, if you get made a decent offer, okay. Well, we'll 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 leave it there. Although not quite, because I did say at the start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I wanted to ask you this for for 
So the first time, I mean, I, I, I remember you turning pro in the early 2000s and, and, and seeing you kind of making progress. But I was part of the Sky team when we covered your fight against Ben Murphy and Peter Lee back at the end of 2011. So almost exactly, yeah, a few weeks off nine years ago. And I remember when I got put on that fight, I just thought, ah, oh, if I get the chance, I've got to ask him this. But I didn't go out for the press conference. I didn't really get the opportunity. So the question is, do you know what your surname means? Oh, shit. You see, some people know what their surname I mean, I've never looked into mine. Clark's a crushingly dull surname, in fairness. I don't think it really means anything. Macklin, I think, is a good one. I don't know anyone else called Macklin, but I don't know whether Matt knows what it means. But I know what yours yours means, you see. So I was always curious, do you know what it means? I've been told it, like, years ago. So I've forgotten now, but I was told it, like, years ago. So, well, allow me to, uh, allow me to enlighten you. So this is... This is, um, well, you might find it. If you might not find it, you might not find it. So this is one of these very rare occasions where the subjects that I studied at university are actually useful uh, and applicable to my job because I studied Latin and ancient Greek and classical civilization and literature and philosophy and all that kind of thing. And amazing though this might sound, that hasn't actually been all that useful in my day-to-day job as a boxing commentator. Every now and again, though, it is. And this is one of those times because theos in ancient Greek, the theo part of your name, that means God. And phane or or phanair, as they would pronounce it in ancient Greek, that means appearing or kind of revelation. Macklin's got it on his phone. So you just keep quiet for a second. So in ancient Greek literature, there was this thing called a theophany. And a theophany would occur when one of the Greek gods would come down from Mount Olympus and live amongst mortals and basically the Greeks had loads and loads of different gods their gods were practically everything and they were like us in that they they had human traits like they would get angry they were jealous they were um vindictive they were all of those things to the nth degree a lot of the time so so you know a lot more entertaining than um than Jesus for example I'm I'm not a religious man so I'm not not scared of blaspheming Uh, each to their own but um a polytheistic system where you've got lots of gods is way better I think than than your, your kind of single deities, because they've really got to behave to set a good example. Whereas if you've got a whole load of the fuckers, then they can do what they want. And they, and they basically did. So what would happen was that somebody would come down to, to Earth, say Zeus comes down to Earth, decides we're going to go to Solihull, check out the people of Solihull, see if they're behaving as they should be, um, paying enough sacrifices, praising me enough, all that kind of thing. Make sure they're on their game, basically. So they, 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 they do that for a few days. And then at some point they would reveal themselves to the mortals. So the God would reveal himself or herself uh, and everybody would shit themselves depending on how well they'd been behaving. But that, that reveal, that's a theophany. Okay. So that's, that's what your name means. means. So yeah. God's incarnate. So what does it mean? So theophane means it means a God reveal, basically. So okay. a yeah, so a theophany is when is when a god reveals oh, him. Yeah, the revealing of a god. Yeah, exactly. When we would show up. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? It's not bad. Like that's you know, as soon as I saw it, I just saw holy shit like that. So, you know. So you've held this for 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 eleven years or since nine years. You've held this for nine years. 
Yeah, I have. I didn't want to waste it. I didn't want to waste it. I just patient thought, man. What I am a patient man. man. <laughs> That's exactly it. I am a patient man. You 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 wrote you wrote off you wrote off to all these promoters years ago, and then you used it two or three years ago to yeah, in the last dude, two or three years true, to get true. these fights. Because I was just true, thought to true. myself, I'm not wasting this. I'm not wasting this gold. This is too good. I'm going to have to wait until the next time I commentate on one of his fights. Um, and it never fucking happened because two fights <laughs> later you went off to America. And that was that all up in smoke. So um, when we agreed to do this podcast, I just thought this is this is fate. Now is the time. So I've just googled Macklin in his son of. Okay. Son of. Okay. Son of. There's Macklin as a boy's name is of Gaelic origin, and the meaning of Macklin is son of. Oh, you'd have thought there'd be something on the end of it, you know, like with Scandi names or Icelandic names. It's always like, or it's like Alexander's son or Dottir, isn't it, for son or daughter? Son of origin. Well, there you go. This conversation has gone down a very unexpected route at the end. Um, I I wasn't, well, I was, but we. What a way to end. What a way to end. Well, exactly. We're we're finishing with um, etymology, I suppose, is what it would have to be classified as. (laughs) Anyway. yeah, where's your gym going to be? That, that was another thing I wanted to ask you. Um, so basically, um, the two spots I have found are South Hall and Wandsworth is where the treasure gyms will be to start off with. I want to, like, grow it. So if it does well, we want to keep, like, reopen, like, more and more and more. So South Hall and Wandsworth are down as the first two. South Hall's North London, isn't it? West, West, West. West. West and then you got southwest. So one is west and one is southwest. So yeah, so that's so that's the aim. So that's the aim. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. We'll let you go. We'll let you go. Um, best of luck on the eleventh against Sam. Obviously, as I say, someone someone we've seen quite a bit of. We know him and John well. Um, and that you'll enjoy you'll enjoy the build up because there's no there's no side or agenda to them. It'll be all very uh, it'll be all very old fashioned, all very old fashioned, and you'll shake hands and then. And then get stuck into each other on the night. Um, yeah. So yeah, best of luck with that. Best of luck with the gym. And, um, and you, congratulations you get... on your career, Ashley. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Thanks. Uh, we'll we'll come on. and see you. We'll come and see you one day when when things are back to normal. When um when when the gym's open, that'd be great. And for everybody everybody else, thanks for listening. If you've got time to leave us a review and a rate on iTunes, that'd be great. We will be back next week. We've probably got. A few coming your way next week. It's it's AJ Pulev, so we'll be preying on people um, in the bubble, um, trying to put that that quarantine period to to good use. And then we won't be far off wrapping up for for Christmas. We'll have a, a kind of Christmas roundup. Um, I'm not sure who will recruit for that yet, but there's there's, there's plenty of people on the list. So um, in the meantime, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you again soon. Podcast Network.